G'day, my name's Martin Murray and you're listening to the In The Paddock podcast, where we talk all things farming. Today on the podcast, we've got Paul Ryan from Ryan NT, that's NT for no-till. So you got a bit of an idea on where this is going. We talk about Paul and his history in no-till innovation, along with his father and his history of innovation. Both of them are true pioneers in the field of no-till agriculture in Australia. We have a pretty good in-depth discussion about some of their products, but mainly the history, the passion and the values that drive them as innovators in Australian agriculture. So sit back, listen in and be ready for a good yarn about Australian agricultural history. Coming up now, Paul Ryan. G'day, so today we've got Paul Ryan from Ryan NT on the podcast. And uh, we might just kick off by getting us to tell us a bit about yourself and the history of Ryan and T-Paul. Uh, thanks, Martin, uh, for your time here. Um, Ryan's, uh, they go back 60 years uh, or a bit more. He uh, was founded by my father, who was born and bred on a farm in the Mallee in Victoria on a nice red clay ground and some light ground. So he... Uh, he lost his father at an early age, so I think that was the uh, catalyst of his a lot of inventing to try and make life easier on the farm. And uh, yeah, that's where we, the basis of Ryan's are, to be honest, come, have come from. Yeah, right. So, what did he start out doing? Like, what was he, what was he making, and where did it all start? Yeah, I've heard a lot of stories from from neighbours and friends growing up that he was always working on something and. Um, even from a, a boom gate, the railway line went through our farm and a, even like a boom gate that back then. And uh, oh, it was all, all sorts of wonderful things, but he was oh, even a, a, a muffler for a car. But uh, but his claim to fame was um, the cultivator, which became, we called the Ryan Scarabator, which is a, uh, the two words was a scarifier and the cultivator put together. And um, it, it was... It was the uh, first spring release wide line cultivator. Everything else was a spring time before then. So, yeah, so it was all about productivity. That's what he was all about. He's, where he was always thinking to make it life easy for the farmer. And so he continued on from that into other ventures as well? He did. He, um, so that got him through, that sort of took him through the 60s and the as a scarabator, then it became a yellow and older fellows might remember the yellow and black model. Then it became a green and yellow model in the seventies into the um, into the eighties, and but in the early eighties, and uh, some of the younger generation might remember, but the eighty two drought was the king of all droughts at that stage, and um, and he came out with a disc system then, and a uh, big single disc. It was all about retaining stubble, but uh, marrying no-till farming to disc seeding then was a was another level, and um, so he uh, just couldn't quite get to know how to handle trefflands and the pre-emergence and chemicals with uh, no-till seeding. So it took a bit of a bit of a drop, but then I got hold of it there a few years ago with the double disc. So that's um, that is proper pioneer stuff. No-till back in the eighties. That is uh, like really really early days early adoption like proper frontline innovation yeah well 
Yeah, there's no GPS, so I was the first, I was the guinea pig on the tractor at that stage, a um, young 18, 19 year old trying to uh, trying to know where navigate around the field and um, and to uh, to try and see where you've been um, and 10 inch spacings. And we're all at that stage, everyone was seven inch spacings or less. And to leave your stubble in the field, it was just uh, it was just like talking Chinese to people. Yeah, I've got to say that uh, that navigation without GPS that would have been a challenge. I've got a um, I've got an eight meter bar with discs on it uh, in my own system, and I had a GPS failure earlier in the year. And as soon as it got dark, I pulled up. I could not see where I was going for the life of me. <laughs> yeah, well, I had a forty foot machine was our first rig, and uh, yeah, there was no mad rabbit on the end or anything like that to show us for markings or anything. So it was a an education, but uh, anyway, the '83 was a good year, and uh, the crops grew well, and um, and actually, that um, Austin had a um, done a deal with um, International Harvester at the time, and they took on the product. But it's still um, no-till seeding took a bit of a downturn with the '80s. Yeah, no, I could um, I could imagine even in 2019, everyone was still talking about '82. So. From there, when did you enter the business? And um, I gather you've got a bit bit of a background in innovation yourself from a few different things before you you came back to the family business. Yeah, I never really left the family business. I was always wanted to be a farmer, but um, anyway, I ended up in the business. I'm a so I'm the only son. Um, there was a couple of accidents in the early pieces. We lost a couple of brothers, but um, however, I stepped into the into it more so until you know, uh, early 90s. I, had a, I designed a thing for a clothesline when I was a young fellow and that took me to Melbourne for a couple of years. And um, anyway, so the innovation's probably always been in our family. And and I came back and with with Austin, worked out a small air seed, which was became known as the RFM air drill. And we, we got that started. And um, yeah, we put a, quite a few of them out in the 90s. And uh, and then along came the double disc, and and Austin also at the time had thought of a had thought of this coil wheel, so I can't take claim to that, but I might have helped it uh, get it sorted out. But it was um, I was actually dragging a uh, a coil pack around our on our farm on our red, red soil, and Austin we we're about twenty miles from our factory in Warwicknabeel, and Austin took off to um, back to the factory because he was wasn't happy with the way that was making our soil too crusty. So he came back with a couple of hours later with this big pig's tail looking bit of half inch wire wound up that he heated up. He said, we've got to get to this. So that sat under his branch for a few years and uh, then we finally finally got it started and the three prototypes and, and the rest is history. Now we've got them in about four countries and the principle of the matter is it self-cleans and doesn't make your soil crusty. And it'll pack around your seed. It was always about getting air out of the ground. That was Austin's main theory. And uh, a lot of press wheels don't get down inside a furrow. So he was the idea of the coil wheel that it would get in around the seed and take the air out of the ground and nice and, and leave a nice tilt on top. Like when you plant a tomato seed in the garden, you don't pack it on top, you pack around it on that principle. No, that does make sense. And um, particularly in some of your heavier clays or a bit of sodic country, if you've, you've got a press wheel with a bit of pressure, it can just absolutely um set a hard crust on top and 
actually lupins as well. How, how do you find it? They go with lupins because I know they don't like a lot of pressure on their um, on the seed. No, it's great for all seeds. To be honest, it's uh, good for the pasture seeding, cereals. Yeah, lupins. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an amazing. You know, and when Austin was on his last legs in the hospital, he was back in two thousand and five, and the doctor came in and said, "I believe you're a bit of an inventor, Austin." And he he grabbed. We had a wheel alongside his bed, and he said, "So this is his best one." After about forty patents, he had taken out in the. He had taken out, and oh, I, mean, I suppose I forgot to mention that we got got a, an OAM or Queen's Medal for his innovations towards agriculture for all his ideas, which I think he said at the time he had taken out near forty patents in the ag game. One of three to receive an OAM for that, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was the he was the third at the time. I think there's been a couple more since, but the first one was Hugh Victor McKay. Um, obviously everybody would know about him with his um, Sunshine Harvester then there was Tom Connor everyone knows that, um, about Connor Shea then it was Austin with the Ryan bars yeah oh, that's brilliant so going back to the um, to your coil wheels um, like the self cleaning that's that's a big advantage do they can you say like use them on say a boss system which uh, sets the depth by the press wheel Uh so it's obviously running a fair bit more weight just on the on the press wheel itself. Well, actually, the Boss disc that um, that sits on an angle—I don't know what model they call that—but it's uh, it's more of a cleaning wheel than a gauge wheel. But I um, meant um, the press wheel. Sorry. Oh, at the back. Yeah. Look, it's yeah, no problem. With earlier days, we couldn't have. Um, I just come out with a, a new patented system actually um, that uh, supports the wheel on the inside. We call them spokes. Um, yep, yep. The handle of parallelograms. I. Know how to work out a way how to do it, and um, and that's um, working well. And um, so much so that um, we're getting them made now in for the North American market in Canada, and we also got manufacturing. Well, we did have manufacturing in the Ukraine. That slowed down, as you would imagine, but uh, for the Ukraine market and the Russian market, it, I hope uh, you didn't diversify into Israel. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But uh, it was quite interesting. One part of the factory that made the we need castings in the coil, spring coil, but the one part of the spring factory at the other end actually made rocket launches. So I think they got priority at the moment. All right. That's a, that's a diversified business. <laughs> and that got hit, actually. So someone knew where to hit, where to hit them. So, yeah. Um, yeah, right. No, well, that self-cleaning thing, particularly if you can use it on a, uh, you know, on a, on a system that sets the depth by the press wheel, that's a... That's a big advantage, and I guess even on the gauge wheel, if the gauge wheel is setting the depth. Um, I was just talking to Toby earlier before we started recording that I had a bit of an issue last sowing with uh, with my press wheels just packing up with mud and then, of course, lifting the, the seed out of the moisture zone, um, which well, we end up getting rain a week or so later, so it evened out in the end, but it's still frustrating at the time, particularly if you don't have that follow-up event. Yeah, look, it's a look, it's a, it's a classic statement that I that I come across all the time. Um, whether it's a, a press wheel or a closing wheel on a planter um, or a disc seeder, um, until we don't pick up seed, we press around the seed. It's uh, the way the coils uniquely squeeze together. Um, it's um, I mean, there's semi-pneumatic press wheels, but they don't like the weather. They can split after a while. So for longevity, our wheels. 
will last, um, whether it's in the black clays or black sticky soils up around Moree, up your end, um, to our Rimra, our Rimra sticky soils down here. And um, we've got them in what they call gumbo soil in the States. That's like that's their sticky, that's their claim to be the stickiest soil around, like stretches into the into Canada. Um, yeah, so the best one, I mean, I went up your way there a few years ago when I first developed the gauge wheel, and that's obviously very important to keep clean, um, whether it's holding you up in the field and blockage on the inside and building up on the outside. Well, we've got a spoke gauge wheel that, that cleans from the inside and it cleans on the outside. So um, you have a win both ways and uh, with that one. Um, but I first went to Moree on a farm just east of Moree and uh, with a closing wheel. And it, come, it all came from an agronomist leading a ground in Queensland. He said, I think this will fix the, uh, what they called the Kinsey crack. And um, anyway, it fixed that up. It presses around the seed and leaves a nice tilt back over it. And and it grew from there. It grew from the farmer's suggestion to go to, a, what can it be made as a gauge wheel? So here we are now, got them in about four countries and making them in three countries. And um, they go pretty well. And so when you're using it as a closing wheel, you're finding that growers aren't having to drag chains anymore to just cover up to prevent that cracking? Yeah, that's an excellent. That's a good, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, no, that's exactly right. That eliminates the chain because the chain can grab hold of trash or the stubble and drag seed out. So, yeah, no, it certainly, most certainly does it does the job. So, uh, no, it's a, look, it's, um, it's it's been around for a while. We've, I've perfected it and, I've, and uh, we've been in most all types and countries. Uh, it's good. And... So going back another step, like the the discs, um, when did you bring the double disc in, and and uh, yeah, how have you found it? Well, it's interesting. The old, the old saying is the mother is a necessity of any invention, and um, and back in um, back in two thousand and six, you know, I had, a, had an agronomist came to me here at Horsham and looking at could he could I put more discs on my air, air seeders at the time, my air drills, and uh, Another it all happened at a similar time. Another farmer said, Why can't I make a disc to fit in there? And we sort of worked in with him, then it all evolved from there. We uh it um the idea is after my experience of the 82 drought with the single disc, what we had, I always felt that it was a big step for a farmer to jump from a cultivator or a time mechanism and chemical incorporation is obviously a big one. So I designed a this system would fit onto every machine, any machine on the market that then you could adapt to and keep your same height under frame. Um, so I had this anyway, that's what I did. And uh, double disc seems to throw enough um, to cover your pre emergence, and um, it's, it's nearly like having a cultivating point, a rotary point, and um, works very well. It cuts through the trash, and you don't get it's my design, it's an offset design. So the serrated disc is an inch forward of the inch and a quarter forward of the plane disc. So, and it overlaps slightly, like a bit of undercut. So it avoids any hair pinning. Um, and the front seating boot. So another thing that I've, we've added, that the boot goes down the front of the axles. In, so the idea is the mud's going the other way. So it avoids any blockage. So everyone gets worried with just for sticky soils. So we've um, we've seemed to have overcome that a fair bit. I mean, nothing's, un, you know, what's word, nothing's invincible, but... Um, but we go pretty well in sticky soils with our disc setup. 
Whether, yeah, it's, but fitting, if you... whether it's fitting onto wide line air seaters, whether it's flexicore ball goes Morris, whatever, deer. Um, we can fit onto Duncan's and pasture drills as well. And the, even the basics of an old Conachet cedar, scary cedars to um, international 511s. Yeah, we got the, <laughs> I've made them fit everybody. I was going through your Instagram there earlier. Um, Toby mentioned it and yeah, there's every machine under the sun on there sewing in all sorts of conditions. Um, yeah, you, you had your drills, your conachets. I think there was some John Deere's and, you know, going from just, just regular sewing as you'd normally expect through to there was one cutting through a, still a green vetch and oats crop, another one cutting through oh, what looked like it must have been eight-ton stubble at least, like it was just a solid mat on the ground. Um, very impressive to just to see how well it went. Yeah, well, I think that shot there. I think you're talking about is the one with on on a Gessner up at um, um, at uh, Gilgandra there last year, or whatever. So it's uh, yeah, no, it's amazing. I've, I've designed and the fit on. I don't think there's any machine really left on the market. I, I in my criteria, I try and check it frame size. I, I slip into any other time. I design and fit into other times and. Um, uh, and obviously weight comes into a bit of issue. So some of the real old early days in the 70s machines, you know, I watched the weight. But, um, you know, even the gyrals, it's, uh, yeah, I keep them all in mind. I take it all into account, breakout pressure and weight. And I've pretty well got everyone covered. And, yeah, look, it's it's amazing. And obviously with no-till farming, seeding gets a bit easier. And obviously the you know, the people watch the, the stock on the ground, so make sure that there's not too much stock packing it up, packing it packing the ground down. Uh, there was one guy there last year at um, out near Pilliga. He put his crop in and oh, he rang me up very late and he missed out on buying two big single disc machines that are made in Narromine. And um, anyway, uh, he, he went and bought ours and he put them on a flexi coil and couldn't believe it. it was wet. And we all know how wet it got around that area last year. And he couldn't believe it. He put in a couple of thousand acres and he said, I didn't get one block. So, uh, yeah, and that's all due to the secret how we got our scrapers at the back and the front seating boot. And, uh, and there's plenty. I make sure there's road. I design and make sure there's enough road clearance, to, obviously, to match the, the same height as the points. Yeah, it's, that's good. There's nothing more satisfying than driving past a crop and every row is up. <laughs> no, you're Particularly right. if it's on the driveway or the main <laughs> road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the main. Yeah. Well, it seems like you guys, same as us down here, us southerners, yeah, you well, it's interesting, isn't it? The old GPS is no more Sunday drives having a stubby around checking out blokes' crops, but uh, to see how they're going around. If they missed any patches, that's those days are nearly gone. But um, but you know, another another one of our areas where we've really latched onto or has latched onto us um, is regen farming. Yep, um, a fellow who seems to be leading the way, and that is a fellow now Bruce Maynard out at Narromine. He's um, uh, singing our praise. He's got our product, and we've got. A lot of people are using it for regen farming now. So, yeah, hence people are asking to fit on the small drills, which we do, as I just mentioned. Yeah, well, sorry. I was going to say just just with the with the regen and the more cover crops and that sort of thing, all that that plant matter you've got to cut through that would be exceptionally important for them to be able to cut through that. Well, yeah, well, it's you no know, whether it's. Um, Broadacre region. No one wants to really spend the big bucks, you know, on a new machine. You know, it's 
you know, you're talking six, seven hundred grand for some of these big disc machines or more. And now we're depending on the machine, we're we're only about ten percent of the cost of that, or depending on it could even be less, five percent of the cost of a machine. And you got your old machine in action, and you're not having some of these big machines are still not invincible. They can um they can be parked up in a corner, and rather than than go and drag your time machine out, you have hours set up there, and you can still slip your time back in. And if if you're ever stuck, so you, everyone got a half million dollar monument in the corner of your field, but uh, but this Regen farming, we just sent an order to India actually um, from a guy on Regen two, cut a few orders, and uh, yeah, look, they reckon it's a a bit of a hit, and we got a he wouldn't believe it a, a group coming, not more of a group, a company coming out here from Bangladesh. We're gonna as we speak by the end of the month, they'll be here to see our product. So it's all about Regen farming. No, it's great. Great to see it taking off around the world. Yeah, well, we, not, we, as I said, we're making the calls in Canada now, and uh, and we've designed. Looks like I may have sorted out a product uh, that our disc to fit onto most of North American machines, and in particular is this. The Seahawk seems to be giving us one was um, a challenge, but we might have that one sorted now. But uh, yeah, look, the Canadians are pretty keen on our coil wheels. They had a wet planting, not this year, but the year before when they got, had an education on rubber wheels and mud. And hence, we've I had been over there twice since their um, drama's last planting. They've asked me to come over and see if we can get their wheels to get sorted on, onto their rigs over there. Ah, it's good. The Ryans have always been the Rimra, Mally. Yeah, so, um, so it's, the first lot of scarabators were made in um, Horsham under contract by Bowell and Johns. And then Austin decided to start the factory in, in Warwick Nabeel in, in 73. That's, that's that helps good. you to kick you along. <laughs> good, good to have that sort of history. Well, yeah, that sort of brings me back to um, to where I was, was going to go. Like just going from your website, um, you know, the values of the business, um, both from from Austin and you and yourself, seem to be key. You've got those those five core values, and really, to me, like from reading through, it, service seems to be at the heart of that. Um, yeah, awesome. yeah. We I travel a lot. Um, I love going to the farm. I love being on farm. I love understanding what they're trying to achieve and, and if, or, or a challenge um, to develop a new product and. Uh, when you've got a lot of hours on the road driving home, you you try and that's when you nut it out. Even I went to the Western Australian Field Days last month and uh, crossing the Nullarbor twice. It gave me a fair bit of time to um to sort a few designs out and work it out on the way and back. And yeah, it does help. It was a bit like the the gauge wheel. I had the closing wheel sorted out when I first went to Moree, and the guy asked me about the gauge wheel. Can it be done in a coil? Yeah, from between Maury and Horsham, I reckon I did half nut of the apple time we got the parks. Well, all that time on the road does help. I uh, even had a company the other day. I said, hey, I don't know how you're doing. Yeah, I've got a good understanding wife. And uh, yeah, so uh, and I've got Toby coming through now and uh, and he's done an ad course, and but he hasn't done all the miles I do, but he does travel um, at, at, yet. But uh, So he's involved in the age, family business as well? Yeah, he's there. He does all the marketing and he understands. As I said, he's worked for, for the local um, machinery dealer there for a little while. And so he's he's getting a, an idea of the whole game. No, that's good. And so how do um how do growers go about well, retrofitting their planters or uh, 
you know, just, just getting parts, that sort of thing. It's, is it all direct? Is there a bit of a dealer network or they just go on the website and call Ryan NT? Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Look up ryannt.com.au. Um, give me a bell. But, uh, yeah, that's how they find me. And a lot of the times if they, if they give, you the, give me their machine, I, whether I've got it or not or I haven't got it and I, and I don't know one in the area, I'll go to their farm and, and uh, yeah, I'll go. I always follow up customers even afterwards. I was uh, a lot of this last lot of field day circuit. I've been visiting farms and folks have got them, and uh, and seeing how they everyone's different. Everyone might use them slightly different, different horsepower, different soil types, and yeah, they all got slightly different practices. Especially now, the new one now with the regen farming and uh, pasture seeding with the combine drills. I'm starting to learn more about that, and uh, and we've got a, quite a few. Of our products in that area there now. A lot of those um, those pasture drills they're fairly tight. They take a fair bit of um, of engineering. There's there's a lot more jammed in under there than there is on an air seeder bar. <laughs> yeah, no, I've had to watch that with the spacings and arrow spacings that we we've got there. The, the Duncan was a bit of a challenge for start, and we've got that sorted out, and uh, yeah, made a bit what we call a compact disc, and actually a, and even a Duncan disc. So for these shorter machines lower to the ground machines and smaller spacings it gets down to about five five and a half inch don't they they do mate they do yeah so um yeah and, uh but as long as they're over the uh, x amount of rows so it's, um, um so stretched out of the three or four rows obviously i can juggle in there in around there uh, that's good um well was there anything else you you wanted to cover off on Oh, no, I think you've got me covered pretty well um, with the Ryan history, um, where we come from. It's, um, you know, it looks like Toby's in, enjoying stepping into the business the last couple of years, and uh, he's he's got his master's in business and commerce, and he's got a, ag, a bit of an agro ticket. He worked out here at a local Longadon College there some years ago, so it, things are sort of growing from there. Hopefully keep on growing and see what happens. Longrenong. I think my grandmother's family are from there. I think. Anyway, a bit of <laughs> bit of intertwined history. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's uh, and look. It's I enjoy it. The bottom line is I I enjoy this. You know, with I've been all through the states and farms and that, and you know, we're gradually getting a good database over there. Quite a few owners. The product's working well there as well, so I enjoy that. I've been to Kazakhstan a few times, um, checking their fields out. and It's funny, everyone in the world always says they've got the stickiest field in the world. But uh, I tell you what, the Rimra takes a lot of beating. My father used to say that, and I reckon the Rimra is like... Moree in the northern New South Wales can be sticky, but they can get a dry top pretty quick, whereas the short days in, in the winter down here... Um, yeah, it can get pretty sticky and challenging might be a better word. Yeah, yeah, no, I um, oh, I gather it, it gets fairly tight down there in, in terms of that. And at the other end of the season too, you, your time to harvest during the day gets a lot shorter. And um, I've worked in like a bit of cotton as well and just the conditions you can get in the south when you're trying to pick that, you're only picking for a couple of hours a day, it would... Oh, send the northerner off the off the deep end, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, so 
Yeah, no, there's been a lot of disc machines being tested down this and they've come into the Rimra, but uh, oh, look, the no-till farming's definitely helped no-till no, as in the, the farming practice today. Uh, you know, you, you know, you got farmers down in the Western District now putting crop in, the sheep have gradually disappeared down there. And um, yeah, look, it's it's a way of the future and uh, it's it's a good thing. Yeah, no, it certainly is. It's, um, oh, look, 18, 19, it was no-till was the reason that a lot of people ended up having a crop. Yeah, now we've got to retain that moisture. You know, you've got good spray rigs today and you got to, you know, obviously we've got one of their backdoor, one of the uh, gold acres, you know, one of the best spray rigs companies in Australia and uh, well-recognised and they make a good self-propelled sprayer. And they, you know, they put these cameras on them, they can hit, <laughs> hit the weeds every whatever they do. Um, spot the weeds and hit them and without wasting too much chemical. It's, uh, it's great. It's, uh, people are working, adapting ways to make it more efficient for themselves. No, that's it. It's exciting to see, um, yeah, just to see where farming's progressed to and, and where it can go. Hmm. Oh, that's good. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, glad we've finally been able to tee this one up. We've had, had a couple of false starts in including myself hitting a roo on the way to equip. So it's, um, I'm glad we could finally make this happen. Uh, yeah, so if anyone uh, wants to know more, just ryannt.com.au. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Martin. No, cheers, Paul. So that was a really good chat with Paul about the history of Ryan NT and their family's legacy of innovation starting with Austin, carrying on through Paul and going all the way through to Toby. A lot of the time when someone comes on the show, they're really keen to just promote their business or promote a product within it. And I'm fine with that, you know, provided I see the value in it, uh, in either my own system or the broader farming community. And again, you know, while we touched on a few of their products, it was pretty clear that Paul was really just keen to talk about their family's history and their legacy of innovation, and it was just great to have him on. I really enjoyed it, and Paul and I spoke for probably another you know, half an hour off mic after the podcast wrapped up, and it was just a great chat. We spoke a lot about the trials and tribulations that they've had in developing their technologies and some of the issues they've come across the way. And it's just great to see this family-run business still operating today, running with those core values of putting the farmer first and serving the customer. You know, before the podcast, I had a good chat to Toby. We'd had a few technical difficulties, so we're on there just way before making sure everything was right to run. And uh, we had a bit of a yarn, and Toby said, you know, they, they still support parts and service for the old uh, air seeders that they used to make. They no longer make them, but if you've got an issue, if you reach out to them, they're more than happy to help. They'll sort you out with the parts you need to get you moving and keep you going through those critical periods. So it was a pleasure to have Paul on. Really great to have a chat to Toby as well, and I'm sure if I'd ever had the opportunity to meet Austin, it would have been great. Once again, thanks to Paul for coming on. Hope you enjoyed the show and I'll catch you next time on In The Paddock Podcast.